1: Well, thank you so much. That is just so humbling and we're so grateful. But Greenans gave me this shirt. It's just i I believe it too. Pastor, an awesome congregation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for cutting into my preaching time. It's just <laughs> I'm so kidding. I'm just kidding. And I really I don't have that much to say actually. <laughs> I'm taking suggestions actually. No I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, uh, somebody probably does it somewhere. Um, thank you so much. This is really the best church ever, in my opinion, and uh, that's the only one that matters. So, <laughs> very grateful to this body of believers and your kindness and your generosity. Uh, just in case you're wondering, we we gave a gift to all the other ministry leaders too. Um, in case you're like, what about everybody else? So we, we we don't worry. <laughs> Uh, leadership council took care of it. So so glad you're here. We're continuing in James today. Uh, by the way, last night we had an awesome time of worship out at the farm. Heidi, the worship team, did an amazing job. Kimmy and Michelle did a killer job putting it all together. Yeah, they did amazing. It was an awesome time um, and uh, so grateful. So grateful for everybody that did it and that came out. So yeah. Um, we're going to talk about James, we're going to get into it today, uh, James chapter 2 into chapter 3. But years ago, uh, as I was a newly married young man, uh, I was working in a warehouse, and, and before I was going to get married, I was like, I feel like I need to make more money than this, I need to do better than this. And uh, so I, this opportunity came along, and uh, by opportunity, I mean terrible idea. And this idea was sell insurance. <laughs> not just any insurance, Aflac. Huh? You guys remember Aflac? Still around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I, I did not do well. It did not go well, but there's this saying that all these sales guys say anybody here ever heard the term, "fake it till you make it?" Yeah. You guys know that one. They would say that in sales. You know how that went for me? I got the fake it part down. (laughs) But the second half really never seemed to happen for me. So I faked a lot of things. Not like fraud. Just like, oh, I'm doing so well. Look how successful I am. Thank God I was thinner then so I could tuck in and look better. Because otherwise I would have had nothing going for me, right? At least I looked good. I drove up in a... Pontiac uh, Firebird with no fender on the driver's side and, yep, drove that around for a couple of years. So, uh, and, or, or there's, but there's another way to say it, like, because the idea of the fake it till you make it is posture yourself and think in, in a way of success before you get there. Well, there, there's some truth to that, right? There is some, you know, if you want to be successful, act like a successful person, Right? Jordan Peterson even counsels young men especially. Just make your bed in the morning. Just do that. It's like a high percentile of those who do that are successful people. They set themselves up for something. Another one would say, like, believe it before you achieve it. And there is a a truth to that of doing these things before you get there. Realizing that the journey isn't a certain point. Most of the journey is me. And the same thing is true in our spiritual walk, which James talks about to this letter to all these Christians across the Middle East. James writes them, and he's talking to them. And really, the last half of part two and and chapter three is really kind of two parts. Act like it. And talk like it. (laughs) You're being it before you think you are it. You're living this thing out. So if you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 2. Starting in verse 18. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. If you say you have faith, for you believe there's one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Interruption. This is not in my notes. You Leave it up. I used to use the term believer, like I'm a believer, not the monkey song or the terrible Smash Mouth remake but the song you know that term i'm a believer like i'm a believer jesus i don't like that term anymore i stopped using it cuz of this verse because the demons the enemies of god the spiritual enemies who tried to overthrow heaven and rebel against him they believe in god <laughs> they are strong believers but what they're not and what we are is a follower So I would like to just adjust that in our own lives. If you're like, if you use that term, well, I'm a believer, change it up. Change it up. Because a lot of people believe, way fewer people follow. We are followers of Jesus. Not just believers in, we are followers. I'm not saying, hey, good for you, Jesus over there. All right. Big foam finger, Jesus. (laughs) Right? No, I'm with you. I'm going where you go. I'm behind you. If you go up Calvary, I want to go with you. All right, so moving on. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted to him his righteousness because of his faith. He was called the friend of God. You see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute's another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body's dead without breath, faith is dead without good works. Let me sum it up. We need to act like it. Who's it? Jesus. We're Christians, followers of Jesus. We act like it. We look like it. The things we do should be like Jesus. You know, uh, I think it was Billy Graham who said, the greatest uh, thing or cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge him by their lips and don't acknowledge him by their lifestyle. Is there a separation in the way we behave, in the way we respond, in the way we talk to people, in the way we drive, in the way we spend or don't spend our money? Is there a difference, or is it the same? Now some people, what they've done is they're like, yeah, I agree with that, that's me, because they're really moral? but they 're not necessarily holy, and what I mean by that is they're like, "Well, I only watch the Hallmark Channel, which God bless you um, <laughs> or and I never drink, and i don't swear right and then but then, if you like look at their bank account, they don't really give, you know, they don't really spend their time in the efforts of Maybe what the Lord does, they don't, they don't share their faith very often. You see, they're moral believers, but they're not committed followers. And there's a lot of those Christians today. There's really a lot. Does any? Don't point. Does anybody know somebody like that? They're kind of a moral Christian. Not in the room. None of those. You're all holy, committed followers. Uh, outside, they're all outside. They're at the other church down the road. Um, we won't name the name. Um, uh, uh, um, but right, it's it's that person who like they don't they've they made their faith whole by what they don't do, but their faith isn't really whole by what they do. Now, don't get me wrong. We are Protestants. We are on the non-Catholic side of the aisle. If you're like, well, I'm Catholic. I grew up Catholic. Take a deep breath. It's okay. This isn't an attack. The Reformation was started by a Catholic, a Catholic priest, no less, who basically said, I think we're justified by grace through faith alone. So isn't this in contradiction with what James is saying here? And the Catholic Church believes it's works plus Jesus, and we don't believe that, right? James is not saying that you are saved by your works He is telling us, if you have no works, you aren't saved. The process of the pursuit and the posture and the following of Jesus is the normal outflow of an actual Christ follower. People who meet, know, and grow in Jesus are automatically and ever-growing in generosity. In love, in kindness, in the fruits of the spirit, in sacrifice, in understanding, in compassion, in grace. If your grace in following Jesus, all these. Matter of fact, last night there's a pastor who visited us from another church, and his church is just going through a really terrible time. Somebody's trying to steal their building from him. He's being sued. All stuff that really is not his fault. Just. Does anybody agree? Sometimes we go through a tough time, and it's not our fault. We're just going through a tough time. Yeah, you can raise your hand. Point at me if you want. I don't care. (laughs) All right. Um, It's pastor appreciation. You got to wait till next week. But (laughs) um, we all we all have it. He's going through one of those times. It's interesting. I was talking to his because his daughter and his son came too. He's been pastoring that church for forty four years. He saw it grow and grow and you know like many churches he saw a diminishment over the last few years but what's interesting is she, she said she goes I, I don't know how he does it you know these people have now taken advantage of him they're trying to take things from him and how does he not how does he still love and he's compassionate to these people and it just hits me like because that's the Jesus life That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. When people get worse, I get better because he uses all that stuff to make me more like him, not less. The people who are committed followers of Jesus, it doesn't mean churches don't hurt us, because they do. It's filled with people. And we all stink sometimes. (laughs) We're all going to hurt each other. We're all going to say stuff and do... It's just, just hang out long enough. It's going to happen. And it's going to hurt. And sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's yours. Sometimes it's both. But here's the thing. James is telling us, even in this stuff, you should become like him. And I looked at that pastor I'm like 44 years, thing after thing after thing, and his heart is as soft as the day he started. Jesus, I want to be like that. And that is like Jesus. He's acting like it. And man, I want to be that way. That is part of the acting like it. A lot of people say, well, I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual, Pastor Brian. Great, so are demons. Demons are spiritual. (laughs) Demons are actually more spiritual than you are because they're actual spirits. (laughs) Not an awesome team to be on, believe it or not. Saying, I'm a spiritual person may not be a compliment to yourself. I'm just letting you know. Spiritual may not be good because there's really just two sides of that and you should know which side you're on. Demons are, demons are more spiritual than we are. They really are. But they're not good. Don't be spiritual. Be like Jesus. Then you'll be spiritual but in the right way. On the right team. Okay? Faith comes with action. It is emblematic of our faith. Okay? When faith is acted upon, it is realized. If you've never shared your faith, I love you. I question your faith. If you've truly met Jesus, the the one who saved your soul, grabbed me out of damnation, rescued my heart, saved my life, redeemed me, forgave me, made me whole, continues to do that in my life, forgives me, understands me, sets me free, gives me purpose and destiny, and you've told nobody about that, then I don't think you've met him. Because there's no way you could keep that secret to yourself. Say, I've never shared my faith. Then you need to meet him all over again. David even prayed that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I need this all over again. I'm kind of dead inside. It's not okay. I don't want to be that way. I want to be like you. I want to be refreshed and renewed, God. I want to, I want to act like you. Right? Abraham. Abraham, this, and, and this is the one atheists don't like. Atheists don't like the idea of atonement. Atonement is, there was a price that had to be paid because of our sin, and God gave up his son to pay that price. Atheists call that cosmological child abuse. We call that reality. Because anybody who knows anything knows the world is fallen, it's broken, people sin and hurt one another, and there's a price. You know what? Socialists are very socialist till somebody robs them. And all of a sudden, they're not anymore. Why? Because even they know intrinsically justice must be done. We just know that. Okay? It's intrinsic. We know somebody had to pay, and that's the atonement. God begins and understands this work all the way back in the garden. Adam and Eve crossed a boundary. God sacrifices an animal to then cover their nakedness. So if you're like, no, this started at Abraham. It didn't. It goes back to the garden. Blood has to be paid for sin. Life has to pay for it. But every life that wasn't Jesus's was temporary. But God calls Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to give up your son. That he promised him. That he said, this is going to be your son and it's going it's to be awesome. And Abraham one day, after decades, has a son That's his. And it's a miracle. And then as he's a young man, God says, now sacrifice him to me. And here's the problem. What you don't know is most world religions at that time, and this this is the other bad side of atheism, atheism sees something like that in the Bible, they're like, that's sick, that's disturbing. They don't know the whole picture. Atheism, I love you, and if you're an atheist, we're so glad you're here. I'm going to insult you for a second. Hang on. Atheists are never as smart as they pretend to be. The known world at that time of religions all believed in human sacrifice. And this God of Abraham had never been heard of before. Abraham takes his son up. And I can't imagine his son walking and he's like, Dad, where's the sacrifice? I and mean, We don't have an animal with us. What are we doing? And Abraham keeps repeating himself, God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. Finally gets his son and he ties his son on the altar. And he takes out whatever knife he had. And he goes to raise it over his son. And in this moment, Abraham's thinking, I believe in this God. I followed this God. T- I left my land and everything to love and follow this God and I'm going to follow him even through this moment. But he's disappointed because he feels like this God is like all the other gods. But I, I know he's real. I know he's called me. He's brought me this far. He gave me the son. And then all of a sudden, a goat comes out of nowhere and God interrupts him and says, Stop, stop, Abraham. stop, stop, stop. God was never going to take his son from him. And God already knew Abraham's heart. God didn't have to be like, oh, let's see what he's got here. I don't know. That's not... God was drawing out of Abraham the faith that so easily gets lazy, slows down, loses some commitment, and says, come back to me and keep me your whole heart. Even when I give you big things, even when I fulfill my promises, make sure you stay, not with the promise, but with the promise maker. And the promise keeper, stay with me. Follow me. And Abraham acted like it all the way up to that point. And in that moment, his faith is realized. Now there's two different types of actions, okay, to act like it. There's acts of law versus acts of charity. We are not bound by acts of law anymore. Those are Old Testament Say, oh, so do we all need to eat kosher? Like, these are our acts now. And do we, I mean, if you want to, it's good for you. There's no harm in that, right? God bless you. Go for it. I like bacon, and I'm staying. All right? Acts of charity, acts of love, acts of servitude. These are our deeds. This is what James is talking about. Even at the beginning of the chapter says, you see somebody's poor, they can't eat, they don't have any clothes, don't be like, God bless you, I'm praying, and move on. No, do something about it. Meet needs. Tommy Barnett used to say, find a need and just meet it. And don't look to be recognized, don't need to start a ministry, just do it. Because that's what believers do. You know, years ago, Michael started a, a mission of providing vehicles for missionaries and people around the world because he just was in the mission field and he saw they had a need, am I right? That's it. He just saw a need and met it. I never see Michael posting, well, at all, but in it, at, at, about that, like I never see him propagating and yet he has a ministry of this and he's given, how many cars or vehicles have you given away, Michael? 20, 25, over a lot of years. Yeah, come on. We're a recipient of that. There's other people in our church who are recipients of that ministry. You'll never hear Michael talk about himself and making space for himself, because just that's what a believer does. He acts like it, because that's what we do. That's that's just who we are. Oh man, your thing, you know, your plumbing's broken. I know how to fix it. I'll, I'll be there. You know, now some of us, like if you drive a pickup truck, you don't have to help everybody move, all right? But this is, we live this way, and we are living this way in a consistent world that is separating itself every day further and further from that Jesus. It's acting nothing like, it's acting more and more selfish, not less so. I believe it is selfish for government to take people's money and then give it back to somebody who did not earn it, and yet that person who works for government gives nothing to charity. I think that's wrong. I think that's hypocritical. Matter of fact, a man like a, and I'm calling out names, a man like a Bernie Sanders owns three different homes, is a multimillionaire, says he's a socialist, and he has one of the lowest charitable giving records in government. That is not a charitable human being. That's a thief. You say, well, I don't, we shouldn't talk about politics here, Pastor Brian. I'm not, I'm talking about the Bible. Now, I would say the same on somebody on the right-hand side of the aisle, too. But it's amazing that those who want to take money and give it to somebody else are often the least charitable people on the planet. It sickens me. I know people who've called me out for a political view, and I know I've done more for more people in a week than they've done in their whole life. And that's not because I'm awesome, it's because they're selfish. Be like Jesus. Act like it. Pour it out. Give it up. Sacrifice. Because that's what he does and it's a joy. If it's a pain, you need to ask God to change you. It's a joy. Say, oh, I didn't do any Christmas. Well, I was going to do some Operation Christmas Child boxes. I mean, I kind of did. I stuck it in my van and forgot about it. Not awesome. My wife, every year, I'm bragging on her. My wife every year hosts a party for girls or through our co-op or whatever where they fill 20, 30 boxes just on their own. And we often pay for it. Now, it's not my idea. It's hers. So don't be like, oh, you're talking about yourself. I'm not. It's her idea. It's, and our church does too. Do we get anything back from that? We're not doing No, she just does it because it's who we are. That's what we do. We pour it out. It's greater and a greater blessing to give. It's It's just better. I am now of the age. I've always loved Christmas. If you're around here long enough, I love Christmas. If you don't love Christmas, you will by the time you're done here thrive. Because Jesus, all right? All right? Jesus is amazing. He gave the greatest gift. But Christmas, it's this time where the world becomes something better because they're acting a little more like Jesus. They're giving. Salvation Army, you see them at so many stores, right, ringing their bells. Do you know over 90% of their income for the entire year is raised through those bells at Christmas? Of their entire budget from somebody doing this. And now because everything's going digital and people are just jerks, they don't. We're not living this way. There's a book that came out in the 70s or the 80s called How, uh, How Should We Then Live by Francis Schaeffer. And he said, here's a simple but for profound truth. If there's no absolutes by which to judge society the, society, the society is absolute. Society is left with one man or an elite filling the vacuum left by the loss of Christian consensus, which originally gave us form and freedom. Do you guys not have that? You're supposed to picture and the quote. No? That's a shame. Basically he's making the argument if you take God out of the picture, the society then becomes the standard. And if the society is then the standard, there are no absolutes and there's no point for generosity besides what governance is saying at any given time. Horrific. Horrific. People are less generous than they've ever been. It's horrible. Okay? we, You guys are a very generous church, which you just showed today. We do awesome. Our giving from the day we launched to now is almost doubled on a, on a monthly basis. God is good. He is faithful. Right? And we want a building where like 180, we actually need to add a shingle on that right now. But, well, not right now. But... <laughs> God has been good, right? We're like 17 away from 200,000 in the bank towards a building. It's awesome. Yeah, God is faithful. But acting like it is becoming less and less common. And what does acting like it mean? Real real, real basic, and we're going to move to the second half. Work like Jesus. What does Jesus work on? He works on us, he works on the church, and he works on the world. Reaching the lost back to his name. In that order. He's first interested in you. Is the Lord working on you? Can you look at your life right now and say, I have grown spiritually and in character from who I was one year ago? If you can't say that, it's probably because you're not. You should be able to specifically say, I'm doing way better here and here and here. And if you can't, it's probably because you're not letting Jesus work on you. Secondarily, work like Jesus on the church. Brian Houston once said, find your, people want to know God's plan for their life. Find, the best, find a good local church and give your life to it. You will watch God's plan just unfold for you. I guarantee it. You will become better. You will be better. You'll have a family. You will. Doesn't mean everything will line up everywhere. But you will see God more. There are some people who pursue God's passions for their life outside of the local church, and you know what I found? They virtually never, ever realize it. Now, it doesn't mean everything you do has to be, if you're an accountant, probably going to be hard to work that out through the local church. You might, but when you're committed, you're going to hear from God more and more and more and pour it out. This morning, you know what? We were super light on setup team, team, 6.30 a.m. I'd encourage you if you're like, I don't know where to serve, 6.30 a.m. We'll put you to work. You say, it's not, I'm telling you, everybody that shows up, I don't know one person who's like, I regret this. I'm, I'm serious. Some people are tired, but I've never met somebody who, set, who helped set up or tear down a thrive, and they were like, what a giant waste of my time. God blesses it. He's in it. There's a community there. There's something special. It's something holy. It may not seem holy, but It is. And, and finally, the lost. Again, bring it back. If you've never shared your faith, why not? All right. Some people are super focused on themselves. They're su- super focused on, there's like, yeah, I'm working on that first one, me. And sometimes it's like, you're working on you, but Jesus isn't working on you. They're super hyper-focused on their family or their friends or their small group or their whatever. It's them, 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 them. And they think it's Jesus, but it's really just a selfishness. This is a small little side note. It's going to sound harsh. You don't like it. Just throw it out. Jesus is not coming back for your family. He's coming back for the church. I'll say it one last time, and then I'm going to move on. Pastor appreciation, you can't get mad at me. Jesus is not coming back for your family. He's coming back for your church. Now that being said, hopefully your family's in the second half, so the first half is okay. (laughs) All right? We've done our very best to make our kids disciples of Jesus Christ and not good moral people who follow Jesus a little bit. I want them to know and love Jesus. All right. Second, talk like it. One of the best ways, deeds we can have is talk like it, controlling the tongue. Oh, this one's hard. Verse 3, and i got to move quick. Indeed, we we all make many mistakes. So even James is saying, hey, we're all guilty. We all fall short. This isn't a a speak from condemnation. This is from a place of grace. If you're not acting like it, all right, get up and let's try a little harder. Let's dig in a little more. Let's lean into the grace of God and, 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 and push a little further, all right? For if we control our tongues, we'd be perfect and control our lives in any other, every other way. It's basically saying it's everybody's number one weakness, is the inability to shut up. <laughs> we make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and we make a small rudder makes a huge ship turn whenever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing. That makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue's a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. He's kind of making his point strong. The tongue is a real problem when it's not controlled. Matter of fact, it burns down regions when it's not controlled. Oh, man, I have seen that. People contain all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one contain the tongue. Restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come out pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. We live in Chicago. Chicago land. And I it's not what it once was. I get that, okay? But I have loved this city my whole life. It is a special place in my heart. It is a blue-collar, working-class city, even somewhat on the north side. <laughs> but because of that blue-collar, hard-work, immigrant mentality, there is a roughneck side of this city, right? City of bro- bro- broad shoulders. It could be city of broad shoulders and bitter hearts. That's what we could call it. Matter of fact, a few different memes, right? These are good examples of what Chicago is kind of like. Chicago, we make good use of our potholes. Or, keep going, What, Dad, what's the Super Bowl? I don't know, son, we're bears. <laughs> ah, true. First day in Chicago, two days later. Mm-hmm. In England, they drive on the left. In Illinois, we drive on what's left. <laughs> true. You know you're from Chicago when you live two miles from work, and it takes an hour and a half to get there, to drive there an hour. <laughs> right? It's so true. Like, right? we live this way. How many ever have been stuck in traffic here? How many? No, it was, it was the demons, Right? <laughs> And everybody who's in front of you is one, (laughs) right? It's all their fault. They're all Satan, Um, and uh, it's not our fault, right? And 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 working and it's working class jobs. They're literally hard on the body, which then makes it hard on the mind. It it there's a negativity here. It it is part of the culture here, and yet the antithesis of our speech. See, in the kingdom, it is our discipline and our blessing to speak life. How many people have we burned to the ground with our words? That's hard. Many of us, we've all done it. We have all just torn somebody to shreds with our words. And yet, we are meant to speak life. This this analogy he uses the bit and the bridle. Matter of fact, Cassidy, would you come on up? She's a horse person. I am not a horse person. Uh, the physics of this on an animal, animals reject it, and so uh, I have it upset. See, I told you I'm not a horse person. All right, you hold this. I'm going to find a microphone. I think we have one. Did you guys just throw them out? No. Um, well, we no, we need a microphone. Yeah, let's leave them up here going forward, Heidi. Um, Yeah, go ahead.
2: Mama 5, I don't need a microphone. Um, I didn't bring one with the reins on it, but to just give you a really quick overview, this is actually a snaffle bit or a split bit, and there's several, several different types of bit. And how many of you know how massive and powerful a horse is? Mm -hmm. Well, I actually just taught another horse camp yesterday. Their brains are the size of a walnut. So they are full of muscle and they're full of power. And it takes this little tiny piece of steel to control that animal. But not only is the bit incorporated, the bit controls every part of this bridle with the chin strap to keep the bit from flipping, the throat strap that if something breaks, it holds the bridle on it. But it's crucial. You cannot control the animal, and they are fight or flight. They're always going to be flight. It's like a mouse with an elephant. It could be a moth, and they'll freak out. So such a little piece of steel is crucial to controlling such a big animal
1: wow thank you Cassie appreciate it so this thing right here this this yeah you can sit down Okay. <laughs> yeah it's this right yeah this right here this several ounces of steel controls several thousand pounds of an animal without how much is a horse two thousand pounds about 1,000, roughly. They're all the same. No, give <laughs> <laughs> This controls a 1,000 pounds. The tongue can control people and their lives. I'm just teaching a class right now uh, with our homeschool co-op, which if you don't know, uh, comes under the ministry of Thrive Church. There's like 80-plus kids at that homeschool co-op. Um, but I'm teaching a class on Animal Farm by George Orwell. But th- 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 we showed a movie, uh, which is a true experiment. There's a, there was an experiment a teacher did in the '60s, and is called the Wave. A teacher in, Sam- in uh, some part of California, before they were completely insane, um, he 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 did this teaching. Somebody and raised their hands. He's teaching on World War II and Nazi Germany, and somebody raises their hand. And they're like, How could anybody do that? How can anybody just be so stupid? How could like a whole nation just do this? So he decides to run this experiment. And in this experiment, he basically gives rules and directions and tells all the kids they have to behave a certain way, stand at a certain time, address him a certain way, have a certain symbol. Literally within four or five days, this actually happened. The entire school system, uh, the entire uh, much of the, that school and several other schools Joined this thing called the Wave. They had a symbol and, and, and numerous different things. And then he had an assembly. And at that assembly, he pulled them in and said, this is a private for Wave students only. It's gone international. We're going to have a world leader talk to you. They all came. Hundreds of students came. They showed up. They locked the gym. He pulled out a TV. And he put on a video of Hitler. And he said, this is who you're following. Because the tongue is incredibly powerful. And it can steer lives. And it can also destroy them. We have to talk like Jesus. And it is a discipline. We literally need to rein it in. It is crucial in our lives. It's crucial in my life. Proverbs 18, 21, The tongue can bring life. Those who have the t- uh, who love to talk will reap the consequences. I just have to be heard, Pastor Brian. I just have to. I just have to post this. I just have to. No, you don't. You really don't. There are crucial times we have to share and speak up, and then there. But the truth is, more often than not, it's actually the other. What's amazing is we're so willing to speak up when we're probably not supposed to and we're so unwilling when we should. Talk like Jesus, speak when he speaks. And speak the way he speaks. It's one of the reasons Ted last week, I love the way he shared because it's always just from that father heart. Ted could cuss you out and you'd be like, that kind of nice. <laughs> you know, it's just the way he carries himself, right? We're just... He talks a lot like you feel like Jesus might talk. Who today admits to gossip anymore? We just explain it away. We have reasons for it. Who who admits to complaining anymore? We just call it venting. Who admits to criticizing anymore? We call it speaking the truth to power. Or, this is just my hurt that I need to get out. Who admits to condemning people when we just say, well, I'm just sharing my heart? <laughs> the Bible actually says, Matthew twelve thirty four: out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if it isn't life, then something else is inside us. See, words can abuse, confuse, make us lose, deflate, humiliate, and devastate. But they can also build, encourage, dream, refresh, restore, inspire, direct, decide, set free, fill up, launch, lift, bless, renew, remind, revive, elevate, and beyond. Some of us don't like strong words, but if it's a good word, the Proverbs actually says... the. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If they are godly truth that actually is corrective to build up, take it. But we now live in a time that says you can't tell me anything except things I want to hear. That isn't speaking life. That's speaking lies. Speaking life is telling the truth but doing it in love. But it's also saying, and I love you. And I'm for you, and you can do this. And God has called you, and He redeems you, and He forgives you, and He loves you, and He's on your side, and He will make it come to pass, and He will heal you. See, we don't th- th- speak things like faith, like saying, "I'm going to be healed." God's going to heal this. Look what He's go- Look, Sp- faith is speaking what God has done, what He can do, and what He will do. Speak it in faith. Why not? Well, they spoke in faith, and then they died of cancer. Did they love Jesus? Yeah. Then they are not dead. Their body is gone. They are with the Lord, and their faith is fulfilled. And I applaud them for being in faith all the way through the end. I'm not talking about naivety faith. I'm not talking about faith that says, you know, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have COVID. I don't have it. But, you know, you can't smell, taste. You have 107 fever. You're coughing on everybody everywhere. And you're seeing seven of everybody. That's that's not faith. That's just stupid. Okay? You can admit, I'm sick. But the Lord heals. Right? See what I'm saying? Speaking hope that God comes through, that God heals, that God delivers, God saves, God resurrects. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to say these things. And if you're like, I don't know how, first of all, that's okay. It's a discipline. Worship team can come on up. We're going to end here in just a second. Okay? But you speak it. You believe it. You say it. And you say it sometimes even when you can't. See, because just like you fake it till you make it, believe it before you achieve it, sometimes you need to speak it before you see it. Speak life. And if there's anybody I'm preaching to today, it's me. All right? I was joking with Alan the other day. He's like, look at you seeing the silver lining. And I sent him a joke back like, yeah, but it's probably Mercury. Like, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we can do that. We can, we can find the negative sometimes in everything. We can find the wrong side of things. I'm telling you, do everything you can. Let your spirit rise up and speak life, speak hope, speak faith, believe in people. See the best in them. Honoring words, encouragements. Give voice to what God has done in your life. Give voice to what God could do in your life. And if you don't know how to do that, if that's too much for you. The easiest way to just start speaking life is praise him. Lift him up. Say I don't know how to speak life to this Brian. It's too hard, it's too desperate, it's too dark. And praise him, because that's life. Lift him up. Say it. I'll lift him up. I want to hear a few good things. Some people are negative about the local church, even ours. I know. It seems impossible, right? How could they possibly? What could possibly ever be wrong in Thrive Church? (laughs) That's funny. Um, (laughs) But come borrow your mic, Linda. I would love to hear one or two sentences because we we got to go. <laughs> I would love to hear something God has done in your life in the last few weeks or few days that God has done at church or in your life or through Thrive Church. I'd love to hear. Just one, two, three people we are like, I'll say it. Gloria, come on. <laughs> come on. Make sure my mic is on. Yes.
2: Um, so I've been asking the Lord for my niece. Her name is Angel. Um, she was... She couldn't speak. And now she's speaking this year.
1: Hey, praise the Lord. Come on. Amen. God answers prayer. What else? Anybody. I got something. God has done this. My wife. All right.
0: So Sylvia and I, we had a meal together this week. And one of the things we've been praying for our church this year is that we would be more bold. And whenever God gives us an opportunity, that we would take it. And so we're sitting there, and this lady comes to the coffee shop, and the coffee shop had closed. <laughs> she's like, oh, I was just looking for a pick-me-up. And we just got this opportunity to pray for her. And I think she was a little dumbfounded, but she's like, sure. And in that moment for me just— It's just grabbing that moment and saying, God is answering our prayers and hearing it happen in so many of your lives. It's exciting. I just pray it keeps happening. Amen.
1: What else? Alan, come on. So, I work construction and uh, it's wintertime and we're getting slow. And uh, earlier last week, I knew I was going to be getting laid off soon. So, I texted the guys in our men's group and I said, hey, be looking for a job please be praying by that afternoon i had a job lined up already praise god come on yeah men praying yeah chris come on stand up i love it we're speaking life
2: i had asked a couple people here for prayer for my one son who has very very bad ptsd we'd been having battles in the home every day i actually didn't even feel safe some of the time um, so the battles are much less. The arguments are much less. Wow. And also one of the things I asked for is that he would be able to get a job because he's been home from the Marines for almost five years, I think, five years. Wow. And so he did get a job, and it's uh, within the area that he wants to be working. This is miraculous because it's a JJC in the department that he's also getting his degree in wow. so this is really seriously God that
1: did wow. this praise God thank you Chris awesome everybody else you've seen God just move awesome Jen come on so
0: my cousin had a baby a couple of weeks ago she had some complications after and we were praying for her at supper club and so she is home doing great and her little guy is thriving too
1: so. amen praise the Lord come on buddy. else Bobby come on
2: So in our moms in the making group, just this year alone and even just this past week, we've had so many, like, mind shifts Mm. and people now expecting God to move versus operating out of fear and death and everything else you can think of that's
1: negative. Wow. Awesome. Bobby. Madonna?
2: Uh, So
3: for a few years, um, the mother of Chris Lynn, uh, who's my stepdaughter, And we're a blended family. Uh, We did not see eye to eye. And I thought there was never going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. We prayed and we prayed all good things for her. And we always encouraged Chrislyn to love and respect her and her future partner. Um, They are now engaged. We prayed for them. We prayed for her to get married. She's engaged. We prayed for us to see eye to eye. We're starting to see eye to eye. We prayed for her to have a relationship with God. And now it seems that they're trying to find a church. Wow. She also said, I don't think I could get pregnant again. Okay, this is a little out of order, but she's pregnant. <laughs> because, And she told me, she's like, I don't think I could get pregnant again. I'm like, pray and believe yeah. and, and cling on to God. And yeah, but uh, so it's just... Oh, glory to God. And now she's been in the hospital for over a month. We've prayed and prayed, and now she's out of the hospital. Mm. And um, I just pray that they they get closer uh, to the Lord, uh, her and her
1: family. It's amazing. uh, Prayer. What What God does, he answers prayer, right? Anybody else? No? All right. And these are a few things. These are a few things God is doing in our midst, right? The truth is, if we stop and looked, we'd see much, much more. God is doing more in our midst every day than we even have any clue. Sometimes it's so easy to see what's wrong. And that's a trick of the enemy. I've come to the place in my walk with Christ where I've begun to realize discouragement is far more a choice of direction than it is a state of being. It doesn't mean we don't have hard times and we weep with those who weep. And we mourn with those who mourn. But even in our mourning, we speak life. Doesn't mean we speak it in that moment, that second. We don't want to be Job's friends, okay? When we weep, we'll weep with you. But we speak life because He is a God who is victorious, He wins. We, classic thing we said growing up in church we've read the end of the book we win. (laughs) He wins. Speak life. Act like it and speak like it. Let's talk like it. Doesn't mean we can't joke around. Doesn't mean we can't give each other a hard time. Sometimes on a blue collar job site. That is how you speak life. I get it. Okay. But at the end of the day, speak hope. Speak into somebody. Tell them somebody today, I believe in you. God has plans for you. He's not done with you. He's going to heal you. He's going to deliver you. You're going to see his goodness in the land of the living. He is for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God makes no junk. He formed you in your mother's womb. He has a plan for your life. He saw you before eternity began. He knows your name. He has numbered the hairs on your head. He is on your side. You can put 10,000 angels to flight. The armies of heaven are fighting for you. The saints of eternity are cheering you on. The God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords is on our side. Come on, team. He is good. Oh